Welcome to the Apostolic Evangelist. Today we are having very large words that no normal human can pronounce or understand with <laughs> Stephen Gill. Stephen, take it away. Uh, how, how about uh, anthrop anthropomorphic expression of biblical exegetical ideals? How, is, that, is that good enough for you? I mean, I don't understand it, so yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> Welcome to the Apostolic Evangelist. Today we are going to have a discussion, which is kind of spilling over from the last two hours that we've been discussing yeah. at Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, we're, we're going to focus on a responsibility to create. And I'm so excited to have Stephen Gill with me today. Stephen, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, tell us um, kind of who you are, what you do. Stephen is a phenomenal writer and very much a student of the Word and student of written Word in general. So Stephen, tell us a little about yourself, what, you, what you've been up to. Well, uh, like I said, Jordan, first I just want to say thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm super honored to be able to do this with you. Um, I am, well first I, I'm going to do the right thing here and give honor to my pastor. Uh, from uh, First Pentecostal Church in Anderson, Pastor Luke St. Clair, Bishop Danny St. Clair, uh, and uh, I'm very thankful uh, to have the opportunities I have there. Um, I'm a minister in that church. Um, currently, I uh, just recently graduated from Indiana Wesley University. Also, um, am uh, working at uh, high school as a, as a teacher over there as well. And um, as you know, because you designed it, um, I put out my first book in 2000. And 16 uh, called Not Another Discovering the Primitive Judaic Christian Church and there it is it's 21st book. century uh, and I just finished writing my second book not even uh, two weeks ago so uh, it's not not out yet but but I did finish writing the second book so that's also gonna be a very good book so with a responsibility to create is, is kind of the focal point that we um, have reached in through our discussion right before this um, before this recording and the reason that we are going there is because there is, with the responsibility to create, there is a responsibility to study. Because without the study, your creations are going to be weak. We've had a lot of good conversation about passive consumption leading to weak creation and the necessity for bringing strong study before our creation. When you just have passive consumption before creation, you, you lead to weak creation. But when you have strong study before creation, your creation is stronger. So Stephen, why don't, you, um, why don't we dive into a little bit about study and the importance and our responsibility to really study. Yeah, um, and this is something, you know, we, you talked about us, you know, our conversation earlier. Something that um, I think that is maybe getting missed uh, and, and the, the crowd that I'm addressing here is, is ministers at the age of maybe 30 and under, basically our age group. Absolutely. Guys that are trying to enter ministry and are, uh, or have already entered ministry and are starting to get to that point where they're, they're developing their own voice, they're developing yeah. their own habits. Yeah. And something that um, I think that we need to be careful of and, and you and I discussed this a bit earlier today was um, look, if anybody comes into my house, they're gonna they're gonna find that you and I are diametrically opposed to one another. I mean, I'm, I walk in, I walked into a, a mobile multimedia center in this van. <laughs> you walk into my house, and it's I mean, you saw it. I mean, I I, I don't have a TV, I don't have internet, I don't, I, you know, I don't have social media either. Um, and I have I, no I, room for a TV. Have you and, seen the video of me throwing TV off the top of my van? Yeah. yeah. And, and I get <laughs> I, I get questions a lot as to why why sure. why do I live the way that I live, and, and why do I do the things I do? And a lot of that goes to what you and I are discussing right now, and that is how are consumption habits uh, mm -hmm. influencing the church uh, right now? And more importantly, what, what can we learn from recent history about how they're going to influence? And, and um, you know, in, if you looked at in, uh, in 1920, uh, the rate of illegitimate births in the United States in 1920 was uh, roughly three percent. Three percent of all of all births that happened in the country were, were through illegitimate pregnancies. Sure. By contrast, by the, if you get to 1991, that number had risen from just three percent to over 68 percent in low-income communities and over 35 percent nationwide. Yeah. And uh, likewise, you know, um, something that parallels with that, something that went with that, in 1960, you had uh, roughly for every 100,000 people living in a community, you had maybe 1,900 uh, murders, 1,900 sure. violent crimes, I'll say. By the year 1980, just 20 years later, uh, that number had jumped from 1,900 per 100,000 to 6,000 per 100,000. Mm. And that, that's over triple. That's, yeah. that's in 20 yeah. years, you know, and so you, 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 know, you certainly can't attribute that to a population boom. Sure. 
Sure. Uh, the problem is that what happened in that in those you know 50 or 60 years between 1920 and, and 19 uh, uh, even the 60s and the 90s, we saw things like the advent of television. Sure. Uh, we saw the advent of uh, uh, multimedia in a way that we had never known it before, and, right. and even uh, into the 90s, obviously we saw we saw the growth of the internet and things like that. Um, all the way bursting into our generation now, so in the, in the 2000s. So um, people want to know well, why is that relevant to what we're discussing. The problem is that as in, in a world that began to consume more and more and more and more of the, uh, uh, whether it was through entertainment or whether it was, uh, whether, w whether it was even through uh, employment, um, a world that became more and more apathetic and more and more uh, done to more and more, uh, quite, if I can say it uh, bluntly, lazy. Sure. Um, it, it creates a very bored culture, and yeah. so and the problem with a bored culture is that it's going to find something to do uh, with its hands. It's going to find something to do with its mind. Right. And uh, that, what we look at in the culture, you know, it it it, it, it was imitated in the church, and and uh, the best way I know how to explain that is through a story. As anybody who knows me knows, I I was a biblical studies major in college, mm -hmm. and. Uh, uh, about maybe two years ago, I was sitting down with a professor um, who was a pastor of a, a local denominal assembly. And uh, in our conversation, he had uh, he was expressing some frustration because the denomination he was a part of had just recently uh, endorsed uh, the credentialing of homosexual ministers, LGBT right. uh, ministers. And uh, in that conversation, something that he mentioned to me, uh, which I, I found profound from a denominal minister, but something that I think is relevant for everybody, is uh, the, the, the incredible, um, or, or I guess like the diametrically opposed impact that it had on the church that they didn't think it would have. In, in other words, something that was done, like endorsing homosexual marriages in, in ministry, it was done with the belief that if we do this, we're going to reach a larger crowd of people. Right. Based on what they saw in the culture. It's, yeah. they're, they're, in, they're letting the, the culture around them inform their decisions in the church. And so, uh, because of that, you know, they endorse these homosexual unions, and then all of a sudden their churches start shrinking. Mm -hmm. Some of them closing their doors, um, and uh, the denomination that he's a part of has all but closed its doors completely. And the point that he made to me was very simple. He said, he said Stephen, what I learned from that experience was that if you tell somebody who comes into your church, you don't have to do anything to be saved. Mm -hmm. You don't have to change the way you're living. You don't have to change the way that you think, the way you talk, the way you act what you do, where you go, you don't have to change anything. If you tell them you don't have to do anything to enter into heaven, guess what? They won't do anything. Not gonna change. They're, they're going to take you at your word. And, and they're not going to keep coming back. And, and because they have no need to. Yeah. And and what what we're seeing is that there's this, there's this big lie in, in Christianity right now that the more relevant you become, the more people you'll win, when in reality the truth of the matter is if you look at the denominal statistics, uh, which, and I use the denominational, denominational world as an example because they have been the forerunners of this relevancy doctrine. Sure. Um, what you're actually seeing is that the more they compromise uh, on things like holiness and separation and 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 uh, whatever is left of it in the dominant world, the faster they're closing their doors. And uh, people are wondering why is that happening. And it's very simple: is that if church imitates culture and they get nothing more from church than they get from their culture, then they're going to skip church and go right to culture. Yeah. And so um, it's it, it is becoming a problem, and and it's something that you and I talked about because. Um, we're trying to strike a balance uh, between how how do we maintain connection to an upcoming generation without abandoning principles of yeah. holiness, without abandoning principles of separation. You know, um, you and I discussed it. Um, you know, for those who don't know me, uh, I I grew up in a in a, what would be considered a more liberal apostolic environment. I'll, I'll just I'll be blunt about it. Um, you know, it whereas uh, you know 20 years ago, you didn't have ministers that were really uh, okay with you going to movies and, and playing sports and, and sure. do it. You know, the church I grew up in, we did those things. Sure. And as I get older and I begin to, to develop myself a little bit in ministry and begin to put away some of the distractions in my life, put away whether it was social media or, or television or whatever it was, uh, I begin to draw away from those things and I, and I uh, adopted a much more, I guess what would be called, called conservative point of view to sure. the point where now the way that I live it surprises people who used to know me. They they want to know you know you don't do this anymore. You don't you don't go there anymore. You don't do, and r really what it comes down to Jordan is that the deeper that I went into study of not just the scriptures but in personal study, uh, the more I realized that uh, the culture uh, crossover that we're seeing in Christianity is doing a lot more harm than good. Um, mm -hmm. You know I, I mentioned it to you earlier. Um, 
you know, John Wesley said, what one generation permits, the next one will embrace. embrace. And there are a lot of things permitted today that simply weren't permitted two decades ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, and, so, and so that's, that's what motivated my, the, the change in my, in my life was the more I studied, the more I learned these things, whether it was statistics about uh, violence and abortion rates, whether it was about intermarriage, whether it was, you know, or, or, or rather uh, illegitimate births and, and things like that. Um, the more I started to realize that Christianity has a part to play, and it's not a passive part. It's a, it's a very yeah. active role yeah. that the apostolic church has primed. You know, it, it was a denominal minister who made the point to me uh, that the fastest growing uh, portion of Christianity today, uh, the fastest growing denomination, if I can say it that way, is the oneness Pentecostal movement globally. And, and there's a very good reason for that. And this is statistically speaking. This isn't yeah. just just our, our yeah, this biased not, views no, this, of this, being this, an apostolic one. I, 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 I have to tell the story. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm going here. i got to tell you the story. Um, I was sitting in, I remember my second year in, at Indiana Wesleyan. We had to give, the, the whole class uh, was giving uh, discourses on, we had, the whole class, it was a three-hour uh, class that night, and we all had to give a discourse on the Trinity. Sure. As you know, I'm not a Trinitarian. Well, everybody in this class was, except me. And so while everybody else took the affirmative in the argument, I took the negative. I'm sitting there in the class, and I had deeply offended a Catholic in the class. And uh, she made the point, I'll never forget. Uh, she said, I just don't know how anybody can claim to be a Christian and not believe in the Trinity. I mean, and she was sitting right behind me, you know, point, very, very much directing the comment at me. And before I could say a word, my professor, not me, my professor, who was an Armenian, Jumped in and he said, "Actually, Deborah, I probably shouldn't say her name, but actually, Deborah, uh, <laughs> Deborah's a pseudonym. <laughs> Deborah's a pseudonym. Uh, he said, actually, Deborah, I I think it's important to point out that the word Trinity does not appear in the scriptures. In fact, Deborah, the doctrine of the Trinity was not developed in full coherent cohesion, if you can call it coherent, uh, until four centuries after the uh, uh, the inception of the church. He went on to point out to her for me that." Uh, oneness Pentecostalism was something not to be scoffed at because it was the fastest growing portion of Christianity globally. And th- this is coming from an Armenian Christian. And so th- the point that I'm trying to make is, as apostolics, we don't need to adopt this mentality that the path to the holy leads through the secular, uh, that you have to achieve holy ends by worldly means, or that you need to adopt from the world in order to win the world. Um, I made the comment to you earlier, you know, uh, you know, Paul said in the New Testament, you know, to the Jew I became Jew, to the Greek I became Greek. He never said to the sinner I became sin. Right. And uh, this idea that, that the path to the holy leads to the secular is just not true. Uh, it's not true that apostolics have to compromise on doctrine or on, on holiness or on separation in order to reach people. Uh, the opposite is proving true, uh, that the more you compromise, the more you'll lose credibility. And here's my question, going, going to the, the point of uh, oneness being the largest growing segment is how many oneness young people could I go up to and say, hey, by the way, did you know that oneness is the fastest growing, largest growing segment in Christianity? And how many of them would laugh at me, yeah, turn they, around and walk off? They, they, they just aren't familiar with, with the, the fact that, um, the, we, 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 you know, you and I went into this a little bit earlier. The denominal world, I, I think that something all apostolics need to wake up to, is that the denominal world is watching us. It's yeah. not the other way around. Sure. The, the denominal world, is they, they steal our sermons. <laughs> they they, uh, they want our music writers. Um, you know, there, there's a reason why ap- apostolics have an identity crisis. Um, they, they have spent so long on the defensive thinking that the world is is out to prove them wrong about oneness in Jesus' name, baptism, and, and holiness. When in reality, we can dance circles around just about any any Trinitarian uh, a scholar that that tries to throw any argument those out there. Those who've studied it. Those, yeah, exactly. Those those yeah. who've studied it. That's and I, responsibility to study. And that and that kind of goes into what we're trying to talk about today. Is is why does it matter that ministers? ages 30 and under ministers who are entering in mm. to this this stage of ministry whether they're already in ministry or not uh what is the cost of not what is the cost of abandoning true um doctrinal uh principles what is the cost of of uh abandoning uh, good study habits mm. and um what what can we expect in the future if we don't get a rain on it right and here and here's the problem that i'm seeing with our young people our young people have their attention on digital outlets. And one thing that the, 
the nominational, but especially the non-nominational world has done very well at is projecting themselves and their message and their perceived growth over these outlets. So you can go up to a young, a young apostolic and when they look at the situation, they'll tell you, well, Elevation is the fastest growing thing that we have going on or Hillsong is the fastest growing thing that's going on. And they see all this effectiveness and it's, it's the availability heuristic is what it comes down yes. to is that's what they're seeing and the problem that, that we're having a lot of times with our young people is the, the medium and the availability is so attractive that they're getting pulled that way, not realizing that they are leaving the fastest growing the, the truth yes. because Absolutely. that's what they're frequently yeah. and constantly exposed to. And it, and it is a, it's somewhat of an indictment on the apostolic church as well that we haven't, we're, we talked about this, we're a little behind the curve. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're, not, we're not providing that uh, media, you know, we discussed it, if Facebook was a country, it'd be the largest country in the world. Yeah. And yet it might be our shallowest presence. And so, and, and that's something that needs to be remedied um, because uh, something that I, I, I want to point out here, um, there's a, a sociological principle called the Durkheim Constant. Mm -hmm. And what the Durkheim Constant states is that um, in any group of people, there's only a finite, there's only a very limited amount of deviant behavior that a group will recognize within itself before it feels the need to lower its standards. In other words, uh, before changing their behavior, they will change their standards. And so a group of extremely moral people and a group of extremely amoral people will have radically different behavior, but yeah. only but they will have identical, they will have the exact same amount of recognized deviant behavior. In other words, they will, uh, as, as their behavior starts to degenerate, they will start to lower their standards to quite, if I can say it bluntly, make themselves feel more comfortable. Yeah. And to, to say that this is not happening in the church would be a lie. Yeah. Um, the truth is, is that there are absolutely things uh, in the apostolic church that are becoming more and more acceptable mm -hmm. that 20 years ago were completely unacceptable. And sure. I, I think that the misunderstanding uh, that a lot of young ministers have is that well that was a that was a culture thing for them and we have a new culture. Mm. The problem is that if your doctrine is changing with culture, it's not really doctrine, is it? It's it's yeah. culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, doctrine is supposed to be the indelible thing. It's supposed Timeless. to be. It's supposed to be the thing by which everything else is measured. Yeah. And you know when we talk about hard topics, you know, difficult things that people have a hard time addressing now in the apostolic church that they never used to think whether it's like the cutting of hair whether it's like uh, divorce and remarriage whether it's things like uh, you know makeup whether you know whatever it might be these topics that are becoming hot button issues that were never hot button issues two decades ago mm. I, I really do think that a, a, a big part of it a big problem is that we have a uneducated citizenry we have an uneducated apostolic core that's coming up that instead of drawing their doctrine from the scriptures they're finding the latest clickbait on Facebook or Instagram or they are they're finding what's available if we bring that back what he's talking about is we're we're having that weakening because of rather than embracing a culture of of a responsibility to study we've embraced the culture of uh, passivity to consume Absolutely. so when you're following these channels of um, non-denominational, I don't want to pick on Elevation, I just say that a lot because they do a phenomenal job in execution. If you follow Elevation, you're not going to hell, don't <laughs> yeah. worry, that's not, that's not what we're saying. I follow all of their platforms <laughs> because their creatives are incredible. Yeah. But but the idea is that we are, that the um, rate at which we're seeing deterioration of this has to do with the rate that we are stepping away from good study habits and adopting pass passive consumption. When you start getting your doctrine from 30 second animations on Instagram mm -hmm. rather than a 30 minute study into a scripture, yeah. you start having problems and the conversations become diluted because we no longer can have that reasonable discourse of here's what the scripture says. Yeah. So well, I think this is the way it's, it's it should be and say, well, why do you think that? Well, I saw pastor so-and-so Trinitarian church down the road put a 140 character message on yeah, Twitter. That, that, Jordan, that's becoming such a problem. Uh, we and, it, I, and I'll just say this too, it's not just that we're doing it, uh, we're, we're not just drawing these these uh, these quick blurbs of, of thoughts from Trinitarians. We do it in the Apostolic Church sure, too, and it, sure. it's becoming a problem where we will draw our latest sermon thought 
we will draw our latest, uh, whether it's a message, whether even even our music, our, we draw everything from 140 characters on Twitter. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we find a, a meme on Facebook that has some witty blurb on it, and and we read our, our, our own, we, we draw our doctrine. We talked about this earlier, Jordan. It's the difference between eisegetical and exegetical uh, preaching and teaching. And we're starting to see a shift away from the exegetical. And why, don't we in, go, why don't we explain that a little bit? Yeah, no. so, so uh, to, to, for, for people who may not be familiar, eisegetical teaching and preaching is beginning with an idea, beginning with a thought, and reading that thought into whatever you're doing. So whether in this case it's the scripture. So I begin with the thought that God is good. And so I search the scriptures to find where it tells me that God is good. Now the danger behind that, as opposed to exegetical, Exegetical uh, teaching is the is beginning with the scriptures and letting them inform your understanding, and so instead of beginning with your own presupposed ideas and trying to find scripture to fit your your life, you instead begin with the scriptures and try and fit your life around them. And so, uh, and I, I love my pastor Luke Saint Clair. Shout out! I love him so dearly. And he says this in the sim- he says this in the simplest way possible. Instead of asking God to bless what you're doing, start doing what God's blessing. And instead of trying to find your message and find your sermon in the scriptures, why don't you take your message out of the scriptures? This is what, when Paul said, preach the word, just preach the word. I have never once, look, you've seen my library, you've seen my house. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have nothing against reading. I read everything. I'm a reading fiend. But I never once opened John MacArthur and found Everlasting Life. I I never once opened Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Church and thought I was going to find the next greatest whatever. Tom Rainer does not have the answers to church growth. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, we, we need to get back to biblical principles and let those biblical principles inform how we start to shape our world that you're talking about right now, constructing versus not consuming but building, not, and not, not just taking just, in. And not just shaping around biblical principles, but shaping it around the study of biblical principles. Because yeah. I can tell you, I can right now go on Facebook and put, when fire falls, Satan bows. Now that's part of a sermon that I'm, when this goes live, that I'm going to be preaching that night. Um, but w- without the context of the hours of study and, and the understanding of when fire fell for Solomon, when fire fell for Elijah, when fire fell for David, when fire fell on the day of Pentecost, without understanding first in the study of all those instances of why and when fire falls, you can get a completely contrived meaning out of when fire falls, Satan bows you can absolutely yeah. misconstrue that without the previous study to well and and fire falling. The, the danger i'm seeing with this a lot jordan and, and this may be a problem i'll just preface what i'm saying by, by saying that my thoughts are my thoughts they, they are not jordan's thoughts they're not anybody else's if you disagree with me please reach out to me i, I love please put it in the comments i love to talk <laughs> I, I love to i love to have discourse with people i want to have uh communication about these things and this is kind of part of the problem there's a there's a principle in politics called the overton window and, and what this means is it's, it, it's quite de- literally defined as the window of acceptable discourse. Basically, the window of conversation I'm willing to allow with somebody before I cut them out. And that window is starting to shrink, even in the church, where yeah. the more I disagree with somebody, the quicker I am to block them, the quicker write I am to, yep. to write them off. And, and the pro- what, what it's creating is echo chambers. It's creating, this, it's creating a, a confirmation bias within the church that we only surround ourselves with people who make us comfortable. And we're not willing to have hard conversations. You know, I'm, I'm never going to find uh, 100% agree. I can, look, I can't agree. If I go out to dinner with six people, we can't agree on where to go get food. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to agree with them on issues of eternity all the time. There's a saying that if you are the smartest person in the room, find a different room. I think yeah. it's also fair to say if everyone in the room agrees with what you say, find a different room. Now, now, and don't and don't take me wrong. This is not relativism. You know, I'm, I'm very confident in, in what I believe, and I'm, I... Uh, will not be moved because my my understanding of what I believe is not informed by other people, it's informed by the scriptures, it's informed by the spirit. Uh, having said that, if somebody were to approach me and disagree with me on issues like the cutting of hair uh, or on divorce and remarriage, you know, for those of you who don't know, I, I grew up in a divorced house. Um, I, I feel a little bit of an authority to speak on the issue. Uh, I'm, I'm hotly against it. You know, I, I don't believe that it's the will of God. I still believe Malachi, God hates divorce. I still believe uh, you know that God hated the putting away. You know, and and Jesus told the Pharisees from the beginning it was not so. There, there's a way that that is is right in the eyes of God and is not always right in the eyes of men. And the problem is, is if we're getting our ideas of what is right, if we're if we're drawing it from from men all the time and not searching the scriptures, uh, we get this we get this culture in, in the apostolic church where in every generation 
we adopt new uh, standards that aren't really standards at all because if they were standards they wouldn't change and and uh, we talked about this a little bit you know take uh, take something as simple as you know television uh, you know 30 or 40 years ago you know I know in Bishop Bingham's generation uh, you know television just you know you, you just didn't have a TV in your house there's some apostolic groups that still don't and and we started to move away from that and and I've had young apostolic young converts especially will ask the question you know where does it say in the Bible you know that I can't have a TV in my house and it doesn't that, that's the, 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 the you're not gonna find a scripture that says thou shalt not watch television right you will find a passage that says set no evil thing before thine eye yeah and the uh, what we've lost is the ability to read the scriptures and understand the difference between lines and precepts to understand that you know the line in my life says don't set any evil thing before mine eye and the precept says there are some things I ought not watch Yep. You know, there, there's there's a line that says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And the precept says, so I'm not going to fellowship with worldly pleasures. And within and, the idea of the Overton window and of things that we quickly write off, that has become part of that in as much as we have taken the precept of put no evil thing before mine eye and applied it to an entire tool, applied it to an entire medium and saying, well, if I can't set an evil thing before my eye, there are sometimes evil things on this thing. Get rid of the whole thing. Yeah, we, we apply it to the tool and not the person, you know. We'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, and, and one thing that so we talked about. you really old. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, could almost, you could almost compare it to kind of like if you follow politics, the gun debate in the United States right now is, you know, is that guns don't kill people, people kill people. Tune in next week for... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and media is the same way. Is that, you know, media is just a platform. It's a tool. You know, it's a chair. It's a table. It's a bench. You know, media, me, media is, is nothing. It's the, it's the heart behind it. It's the spirit behind it. You know, on the one hand, if we use Twitter, you know, it, how many apostolics who have large Twitter followings are reaching people every week with a message of, of sure. authentic holiness and oneness? On the other hand, Twitter is the number one outlet of pornography in our world. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, over 70% of, of pornography now is distributed through Twitter. And so it's, is Twitter the problem? No. Uh, the, the medium is just a thing. You know, it's, it's, it's the tool. spirit behind it. Yeah. And if we can't develop an educated church, if we can't develop uh, an, an educated apostolic body that's willing to have conversations with each other, this is, this, this is what we, we're talking about with the Overton window, is that there, our level of discourse is starting to shrink to where we won't have conversations with people we disagree with. And that breaks my heart uh, because there there are conversations that need to be had if we're going to make it into the next generation. Things like tough conversations about how are we going to handle media going forward. Tough conversations about you know how are we going to get. I, I know from talking to older ministers in my life that there is a little bit of a nervous spirit about handing the baton onto our generation. And I think part of that problem, part of that nervousness, comes from we cannot have those meaningful conversations without study. Yeah. When, you, when you're trying to converse a deep, meaningful conversation and the only thing that person has in their bell is passive consumption, that conversation cannot be thoughtfully had. Yeah, and, and that's, that's so true is that you've, you, we've got to find a way to transition from just being consumers, being objects, yeah. being done to. And start being subjects, being doers, being and I think being that's constructed. a good transition and, to the next part. Yeah, and and that's actually what I was going to ask you is yeah. so talk a little bit about if you don't mind what how did that transition look for you? What did you, yeah. what when did you go from being a consumer to a constructor? So there so there is um, I've written an article about this um, a difference between a creative as a noun and a creative as an adjective. Creative as an adjective normally you say to someone oh you're so creative or you're so this you're you you have such a creative mind it's most of the times acknowledging that person has an appreciation for something, appreciation for the arts. Whereas a creative as a noun is someone who actively creates things. So if you can take that understanding and move it to the difference between consumption and creation. Consumption and appreciation go right in hand. If you're appreciating it, you're consuming it. If you're consuming it, sometimes you're appreciating it. Um, but there's a clear difference between that and creating it. So a lot of what we hear and what we've talked about already is some of the problems that we have is with this passive consumption. And what we fail to realize is there's two sides to social media, just as there are two sides to any medium that we have ever had throughout life. Including there's, books. Including in, books. Including, including, including bring word. brick and mortar paper. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Parchment. The yeah. there, there's two <laughs> Parchment, things. There's yeah. consuming and there's creating. 
And a lot of times you hear, well, there's bad things on social media, we need to stay off of social media, or there are negative impacts of social media, stay off of social media. What that, when you have that conversation, you take both of these things, consumption creation, and you take them both out of the ball game. And what that leaves you with is a void. You leave the devil with a tool that he has free and open access to, to use however he pleases, because there's not an apostolic voice that is pushing up against it. Now, we need to go back to the precept of put no evil thing before my eye. If you need to limit consumption, limit consumption. But we need to keep creation. We cannot write off the entire medium yeah. for the sake of limiting consumption. We were talking earlier about your journey of recognizing that social media was having a time-wasting influence. But what yeah. we got to was that it was the consumption yeah. that was, yeah. was driving that. So why don't you tell your story of switching from the consumption to the creation, yeah. and then I'll jump into my story of consumption to okay, creation. Okay, yeah, yeah. So and one, one thing that Jordan pointed out that I think is so important is that bad consumption habits can manifest in anything. Yeah. Can, it, you know, social media is prominent, so we use that a lot as an example, but the truth is, is that Netflix and YouTube are just as big. Um, books can be just as big if you're reading the wrong stuff. Yeah. Podcasts can be just as bad if you're listening to the wrong stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll just say it. Sermons can be just as bad if you're listening to the wrong preachers, and uh, and so what you know, moving from consumer to construction. You know, for me personally, um, you know, years ago I, was, I don't know, 2000, I don't know, 13, 14, when I started to first get the idea of man, I'd like to write a book. I want to step into a, a different level of, of ministry, and um, what I what I started to realize uh, was I would daydream all for just. You know, days on end about man, what would it look like if I wrote a book? What would it look like if I did this? Or, or you know, even just started. You know, what if I started? You know, teaching more. What if I started mm -hmm. preaching? And you can daydream all day about yeah. it, but the truth is, is that you know, while daydreaming about it, I was spending two hours scrolling through Facebook. I would spend an hour on Instagram. I would go home and Netflix binge and watch my favorite show. I would get on YouTube and and you know, watch videos for a while. Sure. And then by then I was too tired, so then I'd just sure. go to bed. And I was I, I was given maybe. Uh, you know, 90% of my time to consumption of, of junk, and maybe if if 10%, 10% to uh, consecrating myself and, and trying to to improve myself. Sure. And so when I started shutting off those outlets, you know, it started with simple things like just turning off social media. Then it ultimately turned into, as, as anybody who knows me knows, I, I just deactivated all my social media altogether. Uh, uh, in uh, October of 2017, I was completely off. I'd, I've been off now for almost a full year of all social media. Um, I got rid of my TV. I don't, I don't as you know, I, I don't even have a TV. I don't have Wi-Fi. People would say I live like a hermit, and I have people who come up to me and they'll say, you know, why don't you have a TV and why don't you do this and why don't you do that? And my simple answer to them is I'm too good for television. And uh, I, and that might sound crass to some, but I just I, I would just point out that uh, my, I I came to the realization for me that my life is is too valuable to sit in front of that couch and binge on some show that all it's going to do is show me you know uh you know half nude whatever scenes of something terrible cussing on one thing violence on another thing you know the show there you can't you're not turning on the tv anymore watching andy griffith it just don't it doesn't happen and a lot of the stuff that we're consuming and we act like it doesn't influence our behavior but i would just kind of go back to the statistics i began our episode with is people who people who say that that doesn't affect our behavior are just aren't facing the facts and i want to ask a question of even I'm sure there's someone watching this right now saying, well, the show I watch, literally, I mean, I'm watching a documentary about penguins. Like, it's literally not affecting me. But my question for you is, even if it's not having a negative impact, if it is not having a constructive yeah. impact... What, what is it doing to build, what's it doing to build your life, to build your, to build yeah. the kingdom of God, really? That's what it comes down to, is whose business are you about? Are you about your business or your father's business? And, um, you know, and, and again, people who would kind of criticize my harsh take on this, you know, because you, you and I probably couldn't be any more different with, I'm, I'm the most media illiterate person in the world, but one thing that you and I agree fundamentally on is the, is the need for uh, the, the dismissal of consumption and the active participation in construction. And, and uh, again, I would just point out that, you know, because of that, in 2016, I was able to publish my first book. As I told you at the beginning of the episode, I just finished writing my second book. I'm already making plans for a third one. Mm -hmm. um, I have time to do things like this, to sit down with you and, and to talk and, um, and to reach out about things. And so it improved my character. It improved my life. I started to realize that I didn't talk the same way. You know, I started turning off those shows. I started turning up the negative consumption that I was taking in. And not just the negative, but the idle consumption sure. I was taking in. And I started to realize that um, it, it really changed my perspective on everything from holiness uh, to uh, doctrine, the need for uh, the need for a deeper level understanding of the scriptures, and um, 
it just, I don't know, Jordan, I, it changed my life, and, and I'm here now. Uh, tell me about you. What, what, yeah. How did you change? And I, at, at, first, at first glance, I want to say it sounds like we are completely polar opposites. The idea that I literally travel around in this van yep. helping churches with their social the media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the first time it's been called that, but yeah. I like it. Um, it. It sounds like we're completely polar opposites, but there, we found through our discussion is there is was a very intentional step on both of our parts to go from passive consumption to creation. But in between that is a very subtle shift from passive consumption to intentional consumption. Because when you stop consuming these things passively, you didn't just write your book, you didn't sit down and say, oh, say I'm gonna write a book. No. You consumed a lot of different books yes. and a lot of different ideas. And the same thing happened for me. Now my outlet has not been publishing or writing a book, although it'd be awesome to do that one day. That's not been my outlet. My outlet has been in really short film making, whether it's for the churches I've made, I've made small mini movies for, whether it's been the advert videos I've published for Campus Ministry International. The, the videos, if you look through those, those are all short dialogues of intense study. The one we're piloting right now throughout the US is called The World's Greatest Revival. That's a short film based off of intense study on the current state of our campus ministry situation and the idea of what happens when I put education before ministry. And the other short film, uh, the first one we published for them, of Fear is Not a Factor. So regardless of what the outlet is, there is this shift that has to take place from passive consumption to intentional consumption. You, you have to Take an inventory. If you've never looked at your battery um, under settings, battery, it'll tell you your media consumption. Take an inventory of what you're using, yes. what apps you're using, but beyond that, what are you doing on those apps? When, when I started making the shift of I want to be a creator, I stopped just scrolling through Facebook, just reading what was there, and I started curating and looking for content that would improve the content I wanted to create. Yeah. So you started reading things that would fuel you with ideas yeah. and whatnot that could push your creation. I started watching things and reading things to fuel the idea behind the video, but also the execution of it. I started intentionally consuming so I could create. Yeah, and, and that being that intentional, I think is the key, is that if you don't, it, my, my dad used to tell me this, and it was such great advice, was uh, control your time or your time will control you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even if you can't be like, even if you, you can't be like me and just totally disconnect, because some people can't, I understand, some people, you know, they use media for work, they use it to, you know, and thank God for it, because, we you know, we need that And you that know outlet. my stance, I don't think we should disconnect. Yeah, totally. and, and we and have so to. <laughs> what, the advice I would offer is that if you need to find a happy medium, you know, start with simple things like, you know, turn your phone off an hour before bed. You know, sure. uh, don't turn your phone on for the first hour of the day. You know, de dedicate some real time to doing something that's going to uh, get you directed and get you started and, and productive. And, and and if you are on media a lot, you know, um, and I'm and I'm gonna I'll talk about her again in just a second. If you're on social media a lot, uh, stop. If I, if I can just be blunt, stop being the child on social media and start using it as a time to build the kingdom of God. You know, I, I can't tell you how frustrated I get when I see uh, grown men. Uh, argue like cats and dogs on social media over the silliest of stuff when you see people what's it called uh, Jordan subtweeting sure so, so when you know trying to get at somebody and trying to say something listen get get rid of all that if you're going to use media use it to build the kingdom of God and 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 I some, think that's some, fair for every tool if you're going to use yeah. any tool of creation use it for and so, so somebody I think is a good person to emulate with is just somebody that I know, and and I'm going to mention her book here in just a minute. Uh, Nicole Arnold. Uh, well, now Nicole Soto. She just got married. Sure. Congratulations, Nicole and Blake. Um, you know, uh, one thing that I was inspired by was she's another person who, even though we're diametrically opposed on on things like uh, media use, I've I've so admired watching how she has taken her media and used it uh, to further the kingdom of God. You know, her her blog is filled with rich uh, doctrinal content. It's filled with uh, rich, uh, you know, discussions on on social issues and cultural issues, and and um, that's something that everybody needs to understand is that there is a difference between being passive in those roles mm -hmm. and being active in those roles, yeah. and uh, it's that passive consumption that's leading to this uh, this just reactionary generation. You know, you and I talked about it. Outrage is for sale. I mean, in our culture, especially in our generation, you know, people love to be outraged. They love to they they want to be wowed. That you know, our attention spans are shorter than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, the only way I think to combat that 
is to start becoming intentional about what we're building. You know, yeah. and not and instead of just being lazy consumers, we need to start being active participants. And here's the whole point that we we're trying to drive home with this entire episode is that we, as the Apostolic Church, have a responsibility to create. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and shut that door. We got some dogs passing by. Um, as the Apostolic Church, we have a responsibility, whether it's on social media, whether it's in written word, we have a responsibility to create. And we've established the the necessity of study. Now, your, your creation has to be backed by study. Don't get me wrong. You, you cannot create out of a place of passive consumption because you will not help. You will right. make the problem worse. Yeah. Um, but as the Apostolic... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, sorry, if I can just jump in and, and say, because you just hit the nail on the head, is that if you're just... If you're creating out of passive consumption, and this especially goes for, for young ministers uh, and just ministry in general, uh, if I can just be bold and say, if you are a passive consumer and you're not willing to put in the time to read, to study, uh, even in prayer and fasting, if you won't be part of the solution, please don't be part of the problem. Do not, if, if you're going to, if you want to be in, if you want to be in ministry, be in ministry. Don't, don't spend all your time uh, hacking away at, at silly stuff on social media, uh, being on things you shouldn't be on, you know, engaging in idle conversation, being lazy, not reading, not, you know, I've heard it said readers are leaders. The truth is I do not believe that you have a role in ministry uh, if you are not willing to educate yourself. You study must, to show thyself you approved. Must, you are you not approved read. for and ministry. So, just, I, I, I'm sorry, to, I, and I didn't mean no, to cut absolutely. you off, but all, all I, I mean to it. say is that if you won't be part of the solution, please don't be part of the problem. If you're not, if you are not ready to cross over and from milk to meat, if I can say it this way, because so much of what we're talking about is for ministers. You know, we're not yeah. talking about new converts coming in. Look, we understand when people are coming in, the, the whole need not a physician. That's kind of my point. Is that if you've been saved, if you're called to ministry, you should not be the one acting like a child with when it comes to how you are developing your your personal life, your 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 spiritual formation. And this um, just isn't only in social media either. In real life, in real life or on social media, you've gotta you gotta take it up. Yes, and 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 this this is becoming such a problem is everybody wants to be in ministry and nobody wants to dig in and, and spend the time that, that needs to be spent. Uh, and look, and I'll just be real with you when when people ask. Um, you know, realistically, my study habits. Uh, this, you know, I, this is not, you know, this is not my show. I'm not, I'm not here to, to be anybody. But uh, I spend at least uh, now. I've gotten to the point now, and and my ministry is teaching, so it's a little bit different for me. I understand that I have to spend more time in these things, but uh, I devote no less than three to four hours a day to reading. Uh, I take notes on everything that I read. It doesn't matter if it's a book, if it's the Bible, uh, because guess what? Everything I read, I got to measure it against that black leather bound book. Every book that I read. I measure it against the scriptures because guess what? If it don't line up, I better not bring it across my pastor's pulpit. Because yeah. I didn't. Th th this is something that I, I wish people could understand, is especially in the apostolic church, is that if you did not build it, please don't tear it down. And w th this comes to doctrine. This comes to you know, whatever. If you're not willing to preach what your pastor's preaching, then don't get up and preach. If, you, if you're not in agreement with him on, on issues of conviction, on issues of holiness and separation, please do not alter what you did not build. You know, I when I and get you will you will find that you're not in agreement when you're not in study. Absolutely, and 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 when I get behind my pastor's pulpit, I I every single time I get behind that pulpit, I try and remind myself Bishop Bingham was here before I was. My Bishop Danny St. Clair was there before me. Pastor Luke was there before me, and I have no right to change what three generations of ministry has spent building up. And sure. by the way, our church is very blessed, and we're growing. And I, I genuinely, genuinely believe it's because of dedication to those principles in my own pastor. And so uh, I, I don't know how I got going down that rabbit hole, but I just I, I love had, it. I had to say it. <laughs> so we've established a responsibility to study, a responsibility to intentionally consume, which I think. Intentional consumption and study almost go hand in hand. When we say study, we mean more specifically scripture and more specifically those sorts of um, ideologies. But also intentional consumption. If you're going to consume something, measure it against the book. That's what makes it intentional. Measure it against what you are producing in your life. So there's a uh, responsibility to consume intentionally, a responsibility to study, and a responsibility to create. There is a void right now, and I believe, like we talked bring it full circle to the very beginning where we said that if I went and told a young apostolic that oneness is the fastest growing thing in Christendom, they wouldn't believe it because when they look where they're looking, which oftentimes is the digital realm, mm -hmm. they don't see it. You can't measure uh, the apostolic Pentecostal church by the denominal 
uh, movement. You just can't. Sure. Uh, you know, the denominal movement, I've, I've never felt more confident in the statement that I'm saying right now, is that, because every statistic says so, is that our world is becoming more and more secular and less and less uh, quote-unquote Christian. What's hilarious is that, and we talked about this, more and more people now are claiming to be spiritualists than ever. I mean, we have, there are people who believe in another worldly something. But the problem is that most of them don't identify now as, as uh, an actual practicing Christian, you know, and uh, uh, you cannot measure what, what we're a part of this great one God Jesus name apostolic message. Mm -hmm. You cannot measure it by denominal standards because we're not the non we're not the denominal church. And so, mm -hmm. um, I, I agree just a hundred percent, you know, with what you said. You know that, you know, we're we're going to come to a point where, you know, we're either going to be uh, followed, we're we're either going to be following every wave of culture. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna follow every uh, every I guess if I could say it this way every wind of doctrine, um, but the fashion of this world passes away, and if, if we keep on giving up our virtues for the sake of victory, one day we're gonna wake up and have no virtue and no victory. You cannot give up principle for passion and expect to be rooted and grounded. So, mm -hmm. so I, I we have some book recommendations that we want to give yes. out, but I want I want to hit this. If you feel called to ministry, if you were even if you're just young apostolic, but especially if you feel called to ministry, you have a responsibility to study. Yes. You have a responsibility to intentionally consume. And I want to take it one step farther. If you feel called to ministry, you have a responsibility to create. Yes. Now, I'm not going to dictate what platform you create on. If you want to create for Facebook, we need you. Go back to episode one, Social Media in the Church. If you want to create on in movie form, we need you. If you want to create in written word, we need you. You, ha But regardless of what you create in, you have a responsibility as an apostolic minister, as an apostolic carrier of this truth to go into all the world. And in this age, that means creating. Yeah. Because you can, go to the, you can go to the street corner and you can preach and you might be able to hit 25 people. Thank you. We, we need you to do that. But if you take that content that you're preaching on the street corner, you put it in written form, you put it in video form, you put it in animation form, and you put it on a platform that is in digital realm, you went to 25,000 people. Especially if you have been curating your audience. That's a whole other topic. I'll get to that eventually. But you no longer just have a... used to, as an apostolic or as a Christian, you had a responsibility to study and you had a responsibility to tell your neighbors. I, th I think that's kind of a fair... A, a, a back win, but now you have a responsibility as an apostolic minister to create mm -hmm. in addition and, to study and still tell your neighbors <laughs> and still yeah, tell your neighbors. Don't abandon that. Yeah, that's, that's still and write about telling your neighbors check, yes. and put that on social media. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Stephen, why don't you show us a okay, few books? Okay. Yeah. Book recommended. You want to yeah. go first, or do you want me to go? I oh, you go first. Okay. I'll go, I'll go. Yours I'll go. Okay. I have. Impressive. I have. I'm gonna do them super <laughs> quick. I've got. Uh, I got four here to recommend. Uh, I'll do. Uh, Two uh, just personal ones first, and then I'll do some apostolic authors that I, I just think are phenomenal. And this uh, goes, sorry, this goes along with your responsibility to study and intentionally consume. Yes, intentional yes, consumption, right intentional here. Intentional consumption. Yes. This this is a book that actually uh, came to me originally from the uh, Indiana Bible College recommended reads list, uh, and it, it's fantastic. Um, this book is called I Ask for Wonder. Uh, it is a it is an anthology of the works and sayings of Abraham Joshua Heschel. Um, it, it was a book that uh, this 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 is a book that will cause you to think deeper. It will cause you to ask harder questions about your prayer life, about uh, your walk with God, about who God is, who, and, who is and, and who Joshua? and who man is. Abraham Joshua Heschel, Heschel. was a uh, 20th century uh, writer, teacher, uh, philosopher. Got it. Um, he uh, he's a, he was an Orthodox Jew. Uh, who uh, he phenomenal life? He marched with Dr. King in the 60s. Uh, just uh, he was very active socially, and uh, and he and he asked a lot of uh, just just uh, phenomenal questions. Had a, um, amazing lectures. Just just phenomenal guy. Anyway, that comes to you from uh, courtesy of Indiana Bible College recommended reads list. It's on that list. If you want that list, uh, comment in the description. I'll, I'll gladly forward you that list. It's phenomenal. Second one, uh, Words That Hurt, Words That Heal, uh, by Joseph Talishkin. Uh, this book, uh, this goes back to what we talked about with the Overton window and about um, the window of acceptable discourse with one another. Listen, I understand that we, even in this video, somebody's watching and you didn't agree with something that somebody said, whether it was myself or Jordan. Listen, that's okay. <laughs> what, what, what we need is people who are willing now to, to develop, one, more ethical speech and stop vilifying and stop demonizing everybody that, that you have issues with and that you disagree with. Um, this book will teach you uh, how to develop ethical speech. Um, it teaches you the damage of simple things like gossip and backbiting. And in, in the age of social media, this book could not be more important. This book is all about 
how you handle your words. And listen, it, you, you might disagree with somebody, and, and I'm not saying you got to find agreement on everything, because frankly, as apostolics, of course, we don't agree with a lot of people on a lot of things. But that doesn't mean that you have to be ugly. That doesn't mean that you have to uh, hurt other people with what you're saying. And uh, this book, this book will really drive home that that point. And even in disagreement, a house divided against itself yes. will fall. As Apostolic Church, I won't throw out the word pathetic this time. As Apostolic Church, our goal is to reach this world with the truth of Jesus. If we are bickering and divided within ourselves and cannot have discord discourse between our own selves how will we ever be able to have that discourse yes outside of yeah. who we are and I'm, not, I'm not talking about agreeing with people who you know like I'm not, I'm not talking about going and getting a trinitarian and saying you believe what i believe Listen, anybody who knows me knows i would never do that yeah I, obviously we're not talking about compromise on doctrine that's silly yeah i'm talking about other apostolics i'm talking about the fellowship within the body uh, of being able to willingly sit down with somebody and hash out a conversation because guess what jordan and i did it today uh, two people who, who are on, in most people's eyes, opposite ends of the spectrum on topics like what we talked about today, but we were able to come together and find agreement on a couple of things that we can try and help you, try and help grow this message. And so that's, that's very important. Final two books are Apostolic Writers. Um, this one, What a Difference a Line Can Make. I think every um, young preacher, especially young minister, should read this. Um, it is a book that deals very concisely with the issues of holiness and separation. Um, you know, we are we are drifting further and further, and in, in, in not just in my view, I think it's just an objective fact. We are drifting further and further away from uh, just uh, the old path principles. This is a book that will teach you about understanding the difference between lines and precepts in the scripture. It will uh, help uh, maybe gather together uh, a lot of different thoughts that you've maybe heard over your over your time in ministry about what's acceptable and what's not. Uh, what a Difference a Line Can Make by Larry Booker. Uh, fantastic book. Uh, highly recommend. The last one, uh, I mentioned her earlier. Uh, it, it is Nicole Arnold, now Nicole Soto's book, Worth It. Um, this is a book that addresses uh, heavily the issues of self-worth self and self-image. Um, I highly recommend it. Even It's, it's written by a, a woman, obviously, and it is very... Uh, it's very powerful for women to read. I recommend it for men, though, too. Um, I was uh, I, I was had the fortunate opportunity to to stay close uh, with the Arnold family while Nicole was working on this book, and I know the hard work that she put into it. I know what it's about. I recommend men read it too, because guess what? Men have issues with self worth, just like girls do. Yeah. Uh, men have issues with self image, and this will help propel you out of that. Uh, just consumption only mentality to constructing to realizing that God did make you for a purpose that you are here to build something yeah. that you are here to do something more than just be on the sidelines and so uh, worth it Nicole Arnold uh, Nicole Soto if you if you look her up on social media you can order it that way uh, so th those are my four that I recommend it's, it's up to you now this is a book that I recently read and I the hard copy is still shipping um, on recommendation from Nate Whitley it is called let's see if I can get this thing get to that, focus get here. that to focus because Get that is a beautiful headshot. And it's back to your face. It likes your face. But it's called Saying It Well by Charles Swindle. Now, when when you um, when I first sent this to a friend of mine, they thought it was joking. They thought I was joking and saying that I needed to read this book so I could figure out how to communicate with him. That's not what it's about. The second half of the book, he does dive more into sermon preparation and study habits and digging in and doing the work, which is helpful. But the first half of the book um, deals specifically with finding your calling and understanding the things leading up to understanding and acknowledging your calling. I had this conversation, I'll go into this very briefly, I had this conversation yesterday with a young lady um, about how we try so hard um, to understand all of our interests. We have, Especially at the college and careers age, we have all these different interests, we have all these different things that we feel that we're good at, and all these things going on in our life, and a lot of times we're trying to figure out how am I going to turn this into a ministry? How am I going to reconcile all these different interests and things that I feel I'm good at into a ministry? That's not our job to do that. When the time comes for God to really reveal your calling and your purpose, he will bring you to a point where you can acknowledge that everything, every instance that has happened in your life has brought you in preparation for this work. Mm -hmm. So just, I know I'm getting on a tangent, but don't, stop worrying about how am I going to turn this into a ministry and let God reveal that to you. And when that does come, you will be able to easily let go of anything standing between you and fulfilling that. One quote I'll, I'll give you from that book is he says that the price paid in mediocrity and frustration for giving up 
God's design and calling on your life is too great of a price to pay. In other words, when you get to that point where you see, okay, God, I see you've molded my life to get me to this place, you have the choice of I can accept that and go with it or I can choose not to. But if you choose not to, you will pay the price in frustration and mediocrity. My mind's still blown from that book. Check that book out. This is a book written by Malcolm Gladwell. I've read almost everything this, this guy has written. I love his writing style, but this book is called The Tipping Point. I just want to read this blurb from the back. The tipping point is the magic moment when an idea, trend, or social behavior crosses a threshold, tips, and spreads like wildfire. Mm -hmm. A lot of what we talked about today is how do we take the idea of we need to get the church creating, how do we tip that with such a small percentage of creators? I mean, we look at people mm -hmm. like um, Pastor Wes Comer, who's a phenomenal creator within the LJC, or Cameron Reynolds, or myself, or Steven, who's writing. How do we take what appears to be a small segment of creators and create a movement out of it? I've bought and given and gifted this book to other young ministers. Phenomenal read. Um, and some, something he just yeah, mentioned about be, becoming a... Uh, how do we get more creators? Listen, I told Jordan this. I hope he does it. I'm going to tell you, too. If you are an apostolic aspiring to ministry or if you're in ministry I don't care if it's music preaching teaching I don't care if it's missions work evangelism whatever if, if you feel if, if you feel that call to ministry write a book I, I, we don't have enough apostolic writers Jordan came into my house today and I showed him you know of the I don't know something touching a little over 500 books on my walls I I'm, I might have 20 or 25 by apostolic writers listen there aren't enough of them we need more apostolic writers we need apostolic multimedia uh, uh, agents who, who know what they're doing with I don't I don't know anything about multimedia we need more people to do that. We need people writing blogs. We need people making videos. Be active. Do something. Please, please do something. If you're in ministry, you have a, you have an obligation to be active. Yeah. The responsibility to create. Yeah. We're going to keep saying that. <laughs> I think we got our title. Um, I was actually having lunch with your pastor, Pastor St. Clair. I love him dearly. Um, and the question came up is, since we have so little creators, can creativity, can the unction to create be instructed? And I bought this book and shipped it to him um, because this book changed my perception on creativity. I'll, I'll quickly go back to the whole creative noun versus creative adjective. I was never the creative adjective growing up. No one ever told me I was creative. I couldn't draw. I couldn't paint. I was in a it wasn't knitting, but it was it was something along those lines. I remember what it was called he, now. He was knitting. I was in the knitting club. He, he was knitting. I was in the knitting club. Yeah. And I was ashamed of that. That was probably the only be. creative. You should be. That was the only creative outlet. I was never I never considered myself a creative so or, or a creative person. So I never really thought that I could be a creative because no one ever called me creative growing up. This book will change that perception. Literally back here it says, Unlock Your Creativity. It's called Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. He's much better at holding the books than I am. There, it, it goes through and, and shows you the creative process in a way that is simple and easy to break down. And so many times we're so worried about, well, there's so many other good creators. What, what can I possibly produce? Mm -hmm. And we get trapped in this mindset. And, uh, writers have that problem too. Sure. I'll just say, look, lots you of people read this book. <laughs> look, lots of people have written books. So to say, actually, I'm not, the guy who wrote this is an author. Yeah, so it, just throw it, that out. Yeah, yeah, can you believe that? Well, so, so, so <laughs> when, when you say that, you know, lots of people have written books. What do I have to contribute? You've never written a book. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm. Is they people don't know what you have to say. So please say it. You know, same thing with multimedia. Look, there's a lot of people working media out there that have big media followings. Guess what? None of them are you. We, you know, we need your voice. We need, we need you to contribute your verse uh, to, to, to what is happening in the world. So I, I just had to throw that in. That's, that's so true is that you know, if you don't feel like you can contribute, it's a lie. You can contribute. You need to contribute. And, and he has a, has a um, point in this book that says the human hand is incapable of making a perfect copy. Mm. So just the fact that you are creating it makes it unique mm -hmm. because the human hand is, per, is incapable of making a perfect copy. Now, I wanted to show this real quick because you mentioned this earlier. 
quit picking fights and go make something. Yes, yes. <laughs> look, look, words that hurt, words that heal. Quit picking fights. Quit, and go make something. Quit quit arguing with people on social media over whether or not Adam had a belly button or not. I don't want to hear it. Please, just, just please stop. You're, if, you're, if you had that argument, you're the reason I deleted my social media. I want you to know. If you were arguing over whether or not Adam had a belly button, all right? Don't want to hear it. Just saying. So... I, I think that I think that's fair. Okay. So okay. I think so we're gonna say it again because I want you to get this. You have a responsibility to create. With that responsibility, you have a responsibility to intentionally consume. Yeah. With that responsibility, you have a responsibility to study. Yes. Because when you study and you intentionally consume, you will create things that are worthwhile and will lead this generation and the coming generations on a path to truth because we're not getting young people off social media we're not getting books yeah. out of the world we need to put truth on these mediums mm -hmm. so if you are and, a minister you need to create and look if you're expecting other people to do it for you or if you're expecting this world to just start changing for the for the better look it's not going to get better all right the, the bible tells us that it's going to wax worse and worse yeah. uh, we're it, we're living in the age where people call good evil and evil good and yeah. uh, it, it is a hard thing now to, to stand for truth and to, and to stand on biblical principle. Uh, but now more than ever, uh, we need people to dig in, if you, especially if you feel called to ministry. We need you to dig in and start creating, start doing what God uh, has asked you to do. Because guess what? We need you. This world needs you. Uh, this world is not going to heal itself. This world is not going to get better by itself. And, uh, and, and until, until Christ calls his church home, you have an obligation. If you have air in your lungs, you have an obligation. And the sun has literally set on this conversation. Yes, we, so. yeah, we, 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 the sun is the sun is going down. We, we've been at this for almost an over and probably an hour now, but at least yeah. an hour. Or so, 50 and in our total conversation, yeah. even not on camera, is probably hitting three. I have yeah, thoroughly yeah. enjoyed so, this conversation. Me Stephen. too, Thank Jordan. You so much. I, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, all right, till till next time. Go make time. something. Quit we'll fighting. Go make something. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>